Do you don't want a drink for you? Fred just said it's hot in here. You don't want a drink? No, I'm fine. I was really surprised he said it's hot. Well, can't you see it? Fred, why are you rolling like it's middle of July? Because it's warm outside, bro. It's warm outside. It's nice. But I'm hot in here. Like, mad. You can see what Fred is wearing in the studio. (laughs) Alright, I'll wear shorts and t-shirts. Shorts and t-shirts. Stop scandalous, man. (laughs) Fuck it. Alright, guys. Fully booked his back. Emotional Intelligence is the book we will be reading this season, season five by Daniel Goldman, if you want to go and get that. Um, Emotional Intelligence, why it can matter more than IQ is the heading on the book. Myself, Mason, the studio. Myself, French. Myself, um, P, Andrew. P's up in there too. And you're very lucky because we've got French, I've forgotten the dude's name is a big, he's big in the game. <laughs> Paul? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not Paul. Uh, uh, Scott, Mr. Intelligence Watson. We've got Scott, Mr. Intelligence Watson. Well, emo- Mr. Emotional Intelligence, to be exact. Scott, Mr. Emotional Intelligence Watford, joining us on... He couldn't make the studio. He's based in Leeds. Leeds He's yeah. based up north in Yorkshire and Leeds. Hey, dog, I'm sorry. But, but <laughs> he's, um, he's going to be on a phone call in a couple of minutes. So, yeah, with no further ado, let's see if we can get him on the line for you guys. Did you want to give a little background, French, into Scott? Um, yeah, he's a he's a, a massive speaker on the emotional intelligence scene. Mm-hmm. He goes around, he goes into companies and helps like a lot of the management people basically, I guess, enable their emotional intelligence to make them work better, more efficient, give them more pro- productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he can explain it more himself, cool. I guess, but let's that's that's the brief that I've been looking at. Let's see if we can get him on the, on the hotline, studio hotline. This is air, man. Nah, but reading this book, it really... It's a tough read, not going to lie. This is Yorkshire calling London. How you there, London? <laughs> How you doing, Scott? How you doing? Hiya. He's all a bit... Uh... You know, uh, technical glitch. <laughs> yeah, it's all sorted now. It's all, it's all done. How you doing, Scott? My name's my name's Mace. As they call Mace, me. Mace, good, good to meet you, mate. Nice to meet you, Scott. And Scott, my name's my name's Andrew, but they call me P. P, good to see, good to meet you, mate. Uh, can't actually see you, can I? That's how <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so, Tell us a bit about your day. How's your week going? All good. Yeah, week's been week's been good. French box. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mine's good. been good as well. I can't really. How about you, Scott? How's your, how's your week? Your day been? Hectic but wonderful. So, uh, hectic with clients and proposals and coaching, and then wonderful because at four thirty I picked our two and a half year old daughter up in Newbury from nursery, and she's in a fabulous mood, and she's just gone to sleep. So, can't be much better, really. Can't be much better. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So, but don't mention Brexit. That take the whole focus off everything. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not get into that discussion. Anyway, chaps, all of you, now you're all together. Thanks for the invitation to have a chat this evening. So, thank you. Whatever, whatever I can contribute, I'm happy to contribute. Don't take what I say as the way, because there's always one way, and see where we go. Brilliant. I mean, I just wanted to introduce you to the audience and let them know some of your credentials. So, just for those that don't know who Scott Watson is, he's he's a gentleman that's been in the, as I say, the industry for 16 years. Uh, a leadership developer and entrepreneur enabler. They say, well, it's, it's been quoted that they say he's the fast forward button for leadership improvement. 
Clients include Radisson Blue Hotels and Resorts, AXA, DHL Express, and the representatives also quoted saying it was superb training. The TNT Post is one of his clients and the Ministry of Defence. Results of his work include retaining 8.2 million worth of a customer, customer accounts, an increase of 31% in operational efficiency, management effectiveness by 35%, and most importantly, he's the father of two daughters. Mm-hmm. So, welcome, <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome to uh, Fully Booked, uh, Scott. Uh, we are, Thank we, you, gentlemen. We are going to kind of jump in, and to be honest with you, could you could you define what emotional intelligence is? Okay. The most uh, comprehensive but easiest way to describe what it is is understand what it isn't. It's not psychobabble. It's not about tree hugging and being nice to each other. We should be nice to each other anyway. It's about how we manage ourselves, our thinking, uh, our decisions, our stress, uh, and the actions that follow from these. And also, alongside how we get the best from ourselves, it's how we manage the relationships with others, uh, developing high trust, low maintenance relationships, uh, genuinely win-win relationships, and also having uh, the right to speak our truth and allowing people to speak theirs as well. Excellent. Okay, cool. Um, how did you get into into emotional intelligence in, in itself? Because it's, it's kind of a, a recent buzzword or buzz phrase of recently, and obviously you've had mm. quite a few years in the game, so to speak. So... When, yeah. when, when you first started getting into emotional intelligence, was that what it was referred to or was it no, something no. else? Uh, I, um, as you know, as long as it's between the, the, the four of us and your listeners, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm 50. I know I sound 60, but I'm 50. Um, and <laughs> 22, three, four years ago, when I was working at what became a one of the UK's largest banks, I didn't know about emotional intelligence. I don't think emotional intelligence in its form that we see it today was anywhere near created. Uh, But I was always the one that got sent by the MD to sort out that problem, get these people talking again, get that project delivered on time uh, without many of the headaches that kept turning up. And I just thought, oh, I'm quite a nice guy. Um, (laughs) uh, Okay, that's that's subjective and it's self-opinionated. And I just thought people were warming to me and collaborating with me because they they saw what they were getting. Uh, There was no hidden agenda. It was very transparent. It was very candid. We could disagree with each other uh, on a point, but we weren't fighting each other. Um, And that's why my career took off within that organization because I was delivering results with people but not doing it to them. Uh, when it became to be known as emotional intelligence, that was about 15 years ago when Daniel Goldman wrote a book uh, working with emotional intelligence and then others followed. So then I started to think, well, I'm doing that anyway, uh, not genuinely brilliantly and sometimes very badly, but I'm doing that anyway. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that what I was doing without actually knowing it uh, is packaged as emotional intelligence. Okay, but go ahead. How important a role would you say emotional intelligence plays, not just within the workplace, but mm. within everyday life, within society, within the family environment, within your, with your, with your social circles? Beautiful question. Thank you. Um, forgetting work for a moment, uh, my social circles start with my wife and my two beautiful daughters. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
one uh, is now 15 and she's growing and I've got to be aware of the boundaries that change, mm -hmm. the expectations that change, the freedoms that change, and also the boundaries that deserve to be understood. So even if we have a blip, we can recover quickly. Mm -hmm. um, with our two and a half year old daughter, I've got to be aware that even if I'm tired in the morning and she wakes up, um, I've got to be at or near my best for her, yeah, yeah. paying attention to her, the empathy, the understanding, the desire to want to understand what she's attempting to say to me, rather than, oh, I don't understand, give her something to do. Um, in terms of social circles as well, if we look um, at um, the people we warm to the most, they tend to be people that we are like or we would like to be like, or like to be liked by. Mm -hmm. uh, I tend to spend my social circles intentionally with people that, not that I don't like, I wouldn't be as foolish to do myself or them a disservice there, but I tend to spend, uh, by choice, time with people I'm, they're not like me and I'm not like them, because I learn from diversity. If we look in social circles uh, in terms of many of the social ills, and I've interviewed people that have had very distressing childhoods that have grown up to take choices uh, unwittingly in many cases that haven't served them or the community. Um, uh, people that have um, sadly, well, no, sadly is a, a judgment from me, isn't it? They've chosen uh, to uh, follow a criminal path and that comes down to often poor decision making, low impulse control, which are both EQ competencies. Mm -hmm. Now, we've also collaborated with, not clients, but just good people that have had those situations. And when they start to develop greater levels of impulse control, which is, low impulse control is basically jump before you look. Mm -hmm. impulse, low, impulse, uh, low impulse control is I cannot delay, my brain won't allow me to delay the need for immediate gratification. Gotcha. For men, for generalization, last orders at the bar, we better get one in quick, lads. Yeah. We're going to be closing. For my wife, I won't say women, but for my wife, it's when she sees sales 50% in next, mm -hmm. she goes in to spend 50% more than she never intended to spend because there's a sale on. Mm -hmm. So it's this thing about creating a space where our brain can stop, pause, think of benefits and consequences, pitfalls, and then make a decision. So what the many of the social ills that we find, if we can turn them as that, uh, to do with low impulse control and lack of self-awareness. When we balance those out, we have a healthier level of self-awareness, um, a healthier level of impulse control, and we can make better decisions that are good for us and also for good for those around us. And if you look at workplace, um, have you ever worked for a boss that was technically brilliant or really good, but you didn't want to be around? Yeah, almost social awkwardness, if that makes sense. Exactly, exactly. And our brain thinks, well, I've got to do what I'm supposed to be doing because he or she is the boss. Mm -hmm. And it goes into compliance mode. It doesn't go into, hey, I want to trust you. Hey, I want to get great things done for you. It goes in, let me just get through this and go home. Yeah, yeah. So that is an absence of specific emotional intelligence competencies. Gotcha. Um, you've raised so many points there. Um, I'm just going to touch on one of them because I'm sure the, the other boys in the studio have got questions as well. One of the things I wanted to raise is, and we're, as you probably, uh, French probably made you aware of, we're currently reading Daniel Goldman's book, Emotional Intelligence, so we're approximately about halfway through. Mm. Yeah. And um, there's a couple of points he raises. One of them is, um, do you believe children are born with a degree of emotional intelligence? Because I think there's a story somewhere in the book from memory whereby 
I think a child, if they see another child crying, they almost um, reflect that and start crying themselves. Or there's a story in there about, um, I think a young child that's maybe two and his, his older brother or her older brother's five. And if older brother gets told off about because um, um, they've, they've bullied or, or bitten their younger mm. sibling and the younger sibling mm. then wants to comfort the older sibling. Do you think emotional intelligence is something which is learned or you're born with or a bit of both? I've not seen any evidence that we're actually born with emotional intelligence. We're born with a brain. And if we can say um, uh, healthy functioning, as in no impairment, uh, these things are learned. We learn from our environment. There are biological aspects, of course, as in if a, if a two-year-old uh, or a one-year-old is crying because the five-year-old is upset, that's empathy. <laughs> they don't know it's empathy. They've not read Mr. Goldman's book, really good book, but that's empathy. Uh, and also, uh, I'd say, if, if to put into perspective, a little bit of both, our environment, the, the emotional climate that our parents create for us, and me and my wife as parents create for our daughters, really sets a boundary for how we're going to support each other, how we're going to treat each other, what's acceptable and what's not. So there's lots of neuroscience behind this, but the emotional climate is what is learned. Um, you know, you're upset, I'll come and hug you. Uh, my uh, now 22-year-old niece, uh, our uh, my mother and her mum's mum, uh, the same person, of course, uh, died when uh, Alice was about 10 years young. And uh, Moira, my sister, was crying her eyes out. And uh, Alice came up to her and said, have you been peeling onions again, mummy? <laughs> and hey, that's not hey, that's a poignant moment about my mum's passing. No, it's not so lost. Of course it is. But it's true. But it's real. So a ten year old can think, well, my mum's really upset. I don't know well I can guess what it is, but I'm ten. But I, I remember peeling onions once and she was crying. Yeah. And it's this about the brain keeps score. So if we go if it's a bit of both, that's wonderful. But the emotional climate that's set by parents by friends, by family members. Can we disagree on a point? Can we fall out for 10 minutes but still love each other? Mm-hmm. Can we uh, disagree agreeably or really viciously, but we still have that bond where we know we're safe? Mm-hmm. Can you um, kind of go into a bit a bit, a bit more about like, the short impulses in, retur- in regards to, like you're saying about the criminal element? Yeah. Like how, how does yeah. that work in terms of like... Is it is it all is it almost like a you have a criminal gene or how, how does that no, work in, in regards no. to emotional yeah. intelligence? Well, yeah, low impulse control is just as dangerous for senior executives of multi million pound or multi billion dollar businesses. Yeah, it's it's not an epidemic. It's not something we catch. It's something that's created, and uh, you know the, the people I've spoken with that have taken illegal drugs, yeah. um, uh, as well as the chief executives that have <laughs> taken illegal drugs. Yeah. Uh, they're, not, they're not always my clients, for goodness sake. Uh, <laughs> but it's, I want to escape the moment. I want to escape my current feeling. I want to escape. And it is, it is escapism, but it's a very, uh, perhaps, severe way of escapism because the brain isn't thinking, well, I should go for a walk and let my brain calm down. We don't think that. It's give me this immediate hit of escape. Yeah. Uh, some people use uh, drugs. Uh, some people use alcohol. Some people use going for a jog. Yeah. You know, yeah. I I see running as a, a good walk spoiled for goodness sake. But it's this thing is some people think I'll just go and speak with a friend. I'll go and speak with a spouse, and then the stress hormones start to relax a little bit. And when the brain gets back to an element of normality, 
uh, proper functioning, uh, it, it can learn to delay when I got through it then, I can do it in the future. Um, if I may share, my brother's uh, still serious deal. He, um, and I can share this with you, he had uh, uh, challenges. He was uh, dismissed from, by his doctor uh, 10 years ago, uh, a, a mental health issue where he said his, his spine felt as if it was crushing, crushing his uh, back. Then uh, he was discharged from hospital. There's nothing wrong with you. Because we use emotional intelligence, his low impulse control was, I will comply with authority. They must be right. That's foolish. It's, it's dangerous. We went back and uh, 24 hours later, he had a certain scan on his spine. 24 hours after that, he, had, he was in surgery for nine hours because his back was indeed crumbling. Wow. Now, he, now he, lost, uh, he lost four vertebrae. So he's, he's three and a half inches shorter. Wow. It's three and a half, then, uh, you know, um, but it took uh, six weeks in hospital to recover and then six months at home recovering. But this is the thing, his impulse was, uh, you know, they're higher than me, they're authority figures, they know what they're doing, I should comply and go home. Yeah, it's almost like and that. Just, yeah. And just now it's happened again, uh, where he was sent home from a doctor, this is eight weeks ago, uh, on a Friday, sent home from hospital on a Saturday, we insisted he be admitted on Monday, and he's been in for eight weeks. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So this is the thing about impulse control. It's not all bad stuff, criminal element or drunk element or drugs element. It's about how we function socially and choose not to automatically comply with a, an authority figure or someone in a, a, a power position, official power position. Well, impulse control is just as dangerous there because it can kill us. Um, see, do you, obviously you know about uh, NLP. Like, what, what, how does NLP kind of fit in with emotional intelligence? Is it a tool that is used, or is it vice versa? Give a, can you give um, a breakdown? Sorry for for those yeah. uh, that. Um, Neuro-linguistic programming. Cheers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And go on, say that three times fast. <laughs> Backwards. Backwards. Now, um, NLP, I, I studied NLP uh, many years ago, and my uh, colleague uh, is, uh, I've never seen Dr. Richard Bandler uh, in action, but my colleague Dirk is by far the most uh, wonderful facilitator of NLP learning I've ever seen. Uh, and I've seen many. And... Uh, he, he, he partners that with emotional intelligence uh, learning as well. And uh, it's certainly, it's complementary. It's completely different because that's about patterns, uh, certain pattern and predictable phobia cure in five minutes. Wonderful, that's a pattern. Uh, but it's been learned rather like emotional intelligence. What I tend to love about uh, putting the two together, albeit very loosely, is I use emotional intelligent language patterns that, Dirk says, well, that's a NLP uh, language pattern, really. Is it? I didn't know. Uh, so NLP is, is really good for coaching. Emotional intelligence uh, has its strengths, uh, and I think drawbacks as well. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you what what field, what gaps in the in the market or the field, should I say, is in emotional intelligence? Because that's something that you do study, and you, obviously you speak a lot about it. But I'm sure there are gaps in it that you must be aware of. Absolutely, uh, indeed. Uh, for example, if we look at the EQI 2.0 model, and you can look at this on Google, uh, other search engines that are available, EQI 2.0 model of emotional intelligence. It's the world's only scientifically validated 
EQ assessment, mm-hmm. um, and it's very, very credible. But for example, emotional self-awareness is uh, an EQ competency. This yeah. is about us knowing what's happening with ourselves, how we're feeling, and ultimately how we're going to respond. So for example, road rage doesn't exist. It's people with low impulse control and excessive levels of assertiveness or emotional expression. Uh, the road did not rage, it was he or she. Uh, but if, if someone's got a very high level of emo- uh, emotional self-awareness, they can become hypersensitive. They may start reading things into situations. You know, uh, uh, you're clicking your pen, that means you're not interested. Or you've got your arms folded, yeah. that means you're being defensive. No, I'm clicking my pen because I'm thinking, yeah. and I've got my arms folded because I'm comfortable. Confidence. Well, you've got your legs crossed, uh, that means, and your toes pointing towards me, that means you're being aggressive. No, I just need the loop. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, sorry, I, I didn't think I'd bring toilets into this this discussion, chaps. Uh, and I'm sorry, listeners. But this is the thing: if someone is uh, a high level of emotional self awareness, yeah. but it's imbalanced with uh, a low level of, for example, impulse control, they can say, "Okay, uh, what's up with you? What's on your mind?" Uh, Pete, what, what are you thinking? And you think, well, I'm not thinking anything, I'm just listening. <laughs> so, but, but, I think, I'm not, I'm not heard snores yet. But, uh, uh, but this is the thing, in a, in a family situation, uh, one of the biggest predictors, and we do work with families, uh, because the execs that we work with say, <laughs> could you come and speak with my husband? Could you, Daniel, have to speak with my wife? Because he's always trying to solve my problems, and I only want you to listen, and she won't listen, all these kinds of things. But in the family setting, one of the biggest predictors of whether a family is going to be healthy or not, uh, together, collectively, is how they handle disagreement, how they handle disputes. Mm-hmm. The communication. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But it's not... So many people, uh, for example, some people say, uh, I'm a really good listener. But what we find is some people are, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, some people say they are, but they're not, because they're listening to respond rather than listening to understand. To understand. Do you know what's interesting? Um Whilst I've been reading this book, so there's a good friend of mine. I won't, I won't say his name on air, but there's been a couple of times he, he's he's with his fiance, and there's been a couple of times where they've had disagreements, and he often will leave the home and take a walk, and often he'll phone me and we'll have a discussion about it. We'll meet up, and in an hour or two later he'll return, and mm. for him that's helping him to a calm down and cool the situation, and yeah. b so that when he returns back he has more logical thought process about how to go about the situation at at, at hand. What's interesting mm. is I've read this book and I actually screenshotted him a page in Daniel Goldman's book <laughs> which which talks about the same thing and I've said to him, look, I've said it to him and I've said, look, the next time you get into a big disagreement you go for a walk, send this to the other half and she'll realise why. And it was mm. really, it was quite it was quite funny actually. Yeah, and if and if she doesn't respond as you wish, don't tell her I sent it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. Uh, it's taking a walk. First of all, it es- escapes the environment. It, well, not just escapes, it exits the environment. We don't know if uh, the other person is thinking, why the heck have you walked out? That's rude. That's not my rule. You should stay and sort it out. Uh, so whilst uh, your friend is taking a walk, his brain can become less emotive. Mm-hmm. It can care as much. It can love as much. It can want to resolve it as much. But it's the, it's the chemicals in the brain thinking, I want to survive. You know, the brain's top priority is self-preservation, survival. Anything beyond that is a little bit of a bonus. So I can escape the moment or I exit the situation. I can go for what? I can call a friend. And, you know, isn't it always easier to solve everyone else's problems rather than our own? Because we're not in them. Mm-hmm. 
That's true. <laughs> They're in them. Um, and then have a chat, externalise, and then go back to the OK. Yeah, <laughs> bit of perspective. Now I go back. But it's what happens when we do go back. Are we there ready to defend our territory and our position? Or are we there just to, you know, uh, say, look, love, here's a screenshot. Uh, no, uh, I'll just go in, give a hug, say nothing. But that's, and just be in a moment. Just be in a moment. Yeah, that's that. I was thinking what, what happens on the way back because I've been in relationships personally and you try and do the whole walking away thing and you do get times when they, they, come, they come and chase you and it makes it that harder or when, <laughs> when you do go back you're, you're going yeah. into you're going into a fight for leaving in the first place so that's, mm. that's one thing well it's a judgement isn't it yeah. you know if if uh, if we were in a relationship and we're not uh, <laughs> and you walked out I might fit my rule my boundary my brain might be Bridge, how dare you walk out because my mum and dad always stay there and I give the toss and until someone won or lost or drew you know, so why are you walking away? I'm not walking away. I just want 10 minutes to think. Now, that's different. Walking away, walking out versus I just want to take 10 minutes to have a think. And leaving someone with that that message that I want to take 10 minutes to have a think, yeah. ch- it changes the understanding. You know, I just want 10 minutes to think. Remember, I love you. Let me just have a think for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. I will definitely try and remember that. If that yeah. Uh, if I, if I uh, uh, word, uh, please don't put on the end. And I suggest you do too. That'd be wrong. <laughs> that could be, you know, yeah. I'll call your ambulance for you. <laughs> so I have a question. Um, I probably think I'm a. It sounds weird, but I think I'm a product of emotional intelligence. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, in having two children yourself, and having obviously mm-hmm. myself, obviously worked in education, I just wanted to know where you believe there is a place for emotional intelligence, obviously in education. Uh, mm. also see maybe how you use it obviously working with your kids I know in the book there was the marshmallow t- marshmallow challenge marshmallow test test yeah, sorry, apologies. Yeah. and I think not too yeah. long ago you were talking about impulses so just wanted to know maybe how you maybe work that around your kids or whether you have maybe worked in education with emotional yeah. intelligence before yeah we uh, wonderful um, the biggest area uh, we can look at healthcare but we've done that with my brother uh, in compliance with authority uh, but in education, we work with school leaders now uh, that are under a heavy amount of pressure, I'd say, reasonably, from Ofsted and government to hit targets, even if it's to do with uh, uh, how uh, the absent, absenteeism, if a school, if an academy is under 93% overall for the school in terms of attendance, if it drops below 93%, they cannot get an outstanding rating, I understand. Okay. So it's not it's not they can get all the A's, A's and A pluses or whatever they want, but if it's ninety three percent or below, uh, you lose. You can't get outstanding. That's it. Two head teachers have told me that. But this is the thing about education: the uh, recruiting teachers. Now, not all, but let's say lots of teachers become teachers because they want to contribute, they want to help, they want to support, they want to enable, they want to equip children, students, families to achieve something. What really happens, though, uh, in many, we've done over 100, over 100 EQ psychometric assessments and coaching sessions with teachers and head teachers, and what we find is they're very willing and uh, desiring to want to contribute, but then the emotional climate in the classroom, uh, when someone misbehaves, that person, uh, or is deemed to have misbehaved by the teacher, 
that person takes the attention away from the other 20 or 25 that are deserving the attention. And then the teacher's emotional climate starts to bubble over, and there his or her responses uh, and communication aren't as healthy, aren't as nourishing, and aren't as uh, educational as they deserve to be. But the thing is also, teaching children, the marshmallow test is fantastic, it's from the 60s, mm. and it's been replicated many times, even for a, a wonderful TED Talk. If we're going to help uh, children from early age through teenage to young adulthood to have greater social skills, uh, greater focus on community, mm. we've got to be open to helping them manage themselves better. So in the educational setting, is the teacher, uh, the, the well-meaning, passionate teacher, setting a healthy emotional climate, or are they helping learning and enabling learning, or are they disabling learning because they're not managing themselves as effectively as they can? One teacher that we uh, was on performance management in the school said, Scott, we need something happening. Well, let's look at EQ. It turned out the teacher was very passionate. They'd been in their job at least 15, 16 years. They'd become head of department, but they were still teaching. And when it got down to the nub of it, uh, it was low impulse control, uh, high emotional self-awareness. And what was happening, most of her lessons in the morning would go badly. Why? Wow. Not because the kids were misbehaving, but because outside her property on the way to school, uh, there had been road work that was supposed to take uh, four months and it had taken 18 months. Wow. So it was rather than 20 minutes to drive to school, it was taking an hour and a half. Yeah. So her internal emotional climate was already damaged and boiling over before she even got to school. So it's not what happens in the classroom, it's for the teacher, uh, especially, um, and even for parents, it's only equipping our children uh, to get to school, having had a good breakfast, hopefully, a healthy breakfast, but knowing at the end of the day, I'm going to ask you what two things have gone really well today, what have you most enjoyed about your day, um, rather than what happened. <laughs> Scott, I was going to ask, uh, what practical advice would you suggest to help process like help shaping a child's eq what age what a great question what, what age yeah well i mean that any age i say i suppose i'm gonna think about uh, my my godsons he's he's four stroke going on five mm. what what practical advice would you suggest to, to parents of those ages that could do the same, that could actually stop help shaping their EQ as it is now? Wonderful. Um, uh, there are several things that I do with uh, Emilia, yeah. uh, and I do them naturally. I don't do them as a test, yeah. a, a test lab or anything. Um, for example, uh, Emilia's into throwing things at the moment uh, okay. just for a laugh, and it's great. She'll, if she's doing the javelin in the Olympics, I'll be very proud. Mm -hmm. But I've been hit twice tonight by juggling balls. It's this thing of telling a child what you don't want. Stop that. That's not right. But yeah. counterbalancing it with what you do want them to do instead. Parents, and I've done it, uh, but I'm very much aware of it. Parents uh, of young children tend to uh, steer towards, stop that. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. That's not good. Mm -hmm. But they don't tell them what to do or what is good as a replacement. So the child's brain just gets an open loop of, I know what not to do because you just told me, but tell me what to do instead. Okay. And also this thing about boundaries, um, letting them understand that you're listening, just 
stopping and listening to understand rather than listening to respond. Let them enjoy uh, as many different social experiences as they can. Uh, tomorrow it's pouring down up north, but we're uh, going to a kite festival. It's going to be windy, it's going to pour down, but we're going to enjoy it. That is different. And then we're going to make a kite. Uh, we're going to go swimming on Sunday. You know, uh, it's this thing of, you know, your head will duck underwater, but we're still here. It's providing this element of safety, this psychological safety, yeah. but also helping them understand it's our patience um, with ourselves that they're going to learn that they can be patient. It's our communication with other people that they tend to spot. You know, um, the media's come on from nursery this week saying, oh my God, we don't say that. We're not, you know, we have no specific beliefs or judgments or, about that subject. But I, I'd rather not have the media saying, oh, my God. Yeah, of course. So, you know, immediately, could you say gosh or golly or could you say goodness? Yeah, goodness, goodness, yeah. Oh, my goodness. That yeah, is, is and it's just helping me. Rather than saying, don't do that, could you say this? Might you say that? Would you want to say that? And give them choices. Only up to three, but yeah. give them choices. And if parents are going to, if parents are going to argue... You don't have to do it away from the kids, but notice uh, the impact on that beautiful young or teenage human being that's in the same room. Is it helping or hurting their education? That, that, I was going to ask, can, can EQ or emotional intelligence <clears throat> be taught in schools? And off the back Absolutely. of French's question, before you answer that, Scott, off the back of French's question, is it a case where it's almost a learning curve? I think you've kind of brought this to, brought this, brought this to where a learning curve for both the teachers and the students mm. and how and have you had that discussion actually because I know you've been in schools and worked in schools have you had the discussion with headmasters headmistresses absolutely yeah right. and chairs of governors um, and uh, in independent inspectors who get schools ready for offset inspections they do the dry run this is a, the thing about uh, uh, education the the teacher is paid trusted and expected to educate children. Mm -hmm. Nowhere in any handbook I've ever seen does it say, and help them enjoy the journey. No, I've never this, seen that. This is the thing about helping students uh, enjoy the journey. And uh, a wonderful way to set the tone for this, and we've done it a number of times, is the teacher uh, says, uh, if it's uh, teenagers, ladies, gentlemen, not boys and girls, ladies, gentlemen, Tomorrow we're going to explore uh, boundaries, but I have some ideas on what I would hope I could rely on you for, individually and collectively, but I'd really appreciate you sharing your thoughts and ideas with me on what you would want to rely on me for. And then they just shut up. And the, and the young adults <laughs> think, what the heck's going on here? And the teacher's thinking, right, whoever speaks first loses. But it leads to some really candid, some meaningful, worthwhile discussions because you'll find lots of these students, not just children, but students, are all thinking the same thing. Can we have a laugh? Mm -hmm. You know, can I ask a question with that appearing thick? Because no one else has put their hand up. Mm -hmm. You know, one teacher uh, that we observed in maths would say, um, uh, everybody got that? He'd present... Uh, some uh, a problem and a solution to it. Everybody got that? Anybody not? What a question to ask. Anybody not? If you're one of those kids that have not got it, how dare you put your hand up? Because yeah. he's saying put your hand up if you haven't got it. 
And he's, he's not going to take responsibility if you're not getting it, I guess. But what does it do to your learning? It disables rather than enables. Um, this is, if, if anybody's not understood because I have not uh, shared it clearly enough, be good enough to let me know. Stick up your hand, please. That's ownership, isn't it? That's shared responsibility yeah. for learning. Yeah, yeah. If anybody's not got it because I have not explained it clearly enough, be good enough to tell me. Yeah. So. But well, as a teacher, wouldn't it, how could you teach, how could you basically teach a teacher to have that self-awareness of that's what's actually going on? Yeah, when um, teachers uh, do, for example, this EQI psychometric, yeah. that brings out the goal. Lots of teachers, for example, say, oh yeah, that's me, that's me. It's not you, it's a snapshot of your EQ at this moment in time when you completed the assessment. Okay. But it's this thing of having the boundaries and having the permission to share thoughts Bear in mind, I don't know about you guys, but my brain does not like being told what to do. It doesn't like demands, it doesn't like instructions, it doesn't like commands. What it's very open to, though, is invitations and requests. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah? Uh, and this is a thing, may I share a thought with you? It's very different uh, with a client to, well, I tell you what you should do. Which would you respond to worse? I tell you what you should do, because you don't want to be told what to do. Neither do I. Yes. May I just share a thought with you that might be helpful for you and your students? Uh, yeah. I've never had anyone say no. That's just a language pattern that you've got to actually mean it. You've got to want to share the thought that's going to be good for him or her and uh, the people of peer trust and expected to educate. But it's, a, it's this thing of, um, if you have any questions, please be good enough to ask me because I want to deliver value for you personally and professionally. And the students that you're trusted to educate. That's the ultimate win-win. You can say almost anything to almost anyone if yeah. there's a permission and a boundary. Mm -hmm. in, in regards to, like, when I, when I think of emotional intelligence, I think of being self-aware. Do you think you can... Yeah. Do you think you can be, become <coughs> too self-aware? Absolutely. I mentioned earlier about enhanced... A high level of emotional self-awareness, we can come, become hypersensitive, hyper-aware, and the brain can make things up. Of course. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, but if you've got healthy self-awareness, healthy level of balanced, we're not after the high scores here, we're after balance. Uh, uh, healthy self-awareness, healthy impulse control, healthy assertiveness, those are three specific competencies that can help you initiate, a prefer, prefer for and initiate a tough talk, one that you don't feel comfortable with but deserves to be had yeah no I definitely agree I definitely agree and the big thing about unconscious bias we get so many inquiries for bullying and harassment training yeah um, because of what's happened with uh, Mr Weinstein allegedly uh, and also unconscious bias yeah. uh, because more and more people apply for jobs and saying I, I don't think I got that job because I'm this I'm that or I'm something else mm -hmm. and in some cases We've even worked with law firms that have identified after the fact, after the recruitment, that they haven't recruited the right people, the best people. Yeah. They went off this personal unconscious bias, and sometimes it's conscious bias, that we need uh, uh, 23 to 27, uh, it's a male or it's a female, and they're da 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 da, and it's, it's BS, it's a belief system. Mm -hmm. Uh, but people that are inquiring for these trainings are becoming more aware that they've got to have an element of emotional intelligence. Bullying and harassment is often, not always, it's often down to excessive assertiveness and low impulse control. Mm -hmm. Mm 
Look, French, I'll tell you what I think. Ooh, Scott just attacked me. No, I didn't. I'm telling you. I'm telling you how it is. No, I can only tell you how I see it. Yeah. And you see it completely differently. But if we don't have a high trust relationship where you can say, Scott, I disagree without me attacking you, yeah. well, I don't care. I'm the boss. You know, these are all emotional intelligence competencies. So self-awareness is, if it's a low level of self-awareness, we can't really develop because we don't know what to focus on. And this is where having a, a critical friend, um, or just a friend that can give you some candid feedback. Yeah. You know, Scott, I'd really appreciate it next time if you did this rather than what you did in that meeting. Could we do that next time? Of course. That's very different to Scott. You interrupted me when I was trying to get a point across to the client. And blah, blah, blah. But if someone invites me to be aware of something to do or not do next time, I can do that. That's raising self-awareness. Do you reckon um, listening to your gut can be improved? Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, neuroscientists claim, and I can't uh, verify this one way or the other because I don't have access to the research, even though I do have a, a gut. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the gut, the stomach, is now being seen as the second brain. Yeah, uh, with, uh, women, they call it intuition, generally. With men, they call it gut instinct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but th this comes down to fight, flight, or freeze. And basically, it's just creating an awareness of what's going on. If we tend to feel uncomfortable about something, it tends not to be a logical choice. You know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think, if we're going to call it the gut instinct, the intuition, yeah. of course, yeah, it can be developed. But we've got to be aware of what we want to develop and what value it's going to add. But how, how can, so how can we improve that? Like basically, um, as you know, I, I run my own business. Uh, yeah. How, in, I mean, it could be put in both fields. If you, if you work in a workplace or you own your own business or whatever it may be, how can you use emotional intelligence to, to improve your performance, whether it is in sales, whether it is in marketing, depending mm. on what field you're in, like how, how would it, to be to be almost selfish and talk about me, how could emotional intelligence help me as a businessman? Can I, Scott? Right. And before you answer, that, sorry, because I know you probably got a lot to say on it. Was that a dig or were you just? No, 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 no. It's only because it's only it's only it's only because um, I wish to also address the point that I'm about to make, which also relates to French's point. Um, then actually, so um, we at my work, I, I work somewhere in, in central London, and at my workplace, mm. we've recently um, employed a new senior who's managing three or four people within the who's man who has a, uh, who manages three or four people who are at the same kind of level as myself. And one mm. of the things I know he's taken them out individually to speak to them, and he said, "Look, one of the things I want to do is make sure you enjoy your work. If there's anything you're not sure about, speak to me. But I want you to enjoy your work, not just come in, feel mundane, feel like." Let's. I can't wait to the day and feel stressed. I want to enjoy it. Enjoy what you do. No, understand fully what you do. So in relation to also what French said, just to, and go back. Sorry, to go back to what French is to French's point. How can emotional intelligence? For me, that was a degree of emotional intelligence. Saying, look, I want you to enjoy your work. How can I help you to enjoy your work to make sure you love to come in and work? What yeah. what what do you advise? How can you be the best at what you do and be the best for your customers you serve? Yeah, well, first, thank you. Um, when you said, I know you've got a lot to say, I thought, am I, am I keeping you up, much? But no, I won't no, take it as a dick. No, no. Uh, <laughs> see, emotional self-awareness, I've just gone hypersensitive. Two things, gentlemen. Um, 
I have uh, several businesses as well. So whatever business we're in, um, it, it, it appears at first sight, and I, I didn't observe that situation uh, with the boss saying, I want you to enjoy your work. That sounds like a very healthy level of uh, emotional self-awareness plus empathy, plus reality testing, uh, which is, you know, some people uh, don't see the world as it is. But if the boss is creating an environment where you can speak your truth, you can ask a question, and please deliver what's required, but enjoy it too, that's a holistic approach to leading. That's not just managing, that's leading. Mm -hmm. In terms of um, uh, how to uh, run a business, uh, if people own their own businesses, for example, they can tend to think in some situations, the longer hours I work, the more value I deliver. No, uh, the brain needs to stop. <laughs> so when you hear a politician saying, we've been working 16-hour shifts, yeah. after about eight or nine hours, they've probably been effective. Not been effective. They've been ineffective because the brain can't think properly. Um, in terms of uh, for, uh, business development, if I can, I'm happy to share with you and the listeners what we do. Yeah. Uh, we don't have a sales team. We don't go out to sell. We're very happy to help people want to buy, though. And that isn't just a change of words or reframing, as NLP would say. It's saying we seek to understand. Now, that's Stephen Corbett 30 years ago. Seek first to understand. Seven habits of highly effective people. And what people tend to tell us is when they do appoint me and my team, we say, what was it that got you to choose us? Mm -hmm. So you listened and you're trustworthy and you've got lots of testimonials. Anything else? No, just got a good feeling. Now, this is the thing. It's not about creating good feelings by being deceptive, misleading or completely dishonest or any element of that. It's about creating the environment where people think, I might want your service or product, but I can get it anyway. Uh, but something is resonating with me about how you ask a question, how you present your position, um, uh, how you focus on delivering value rather than just doing some training or coaching. You know? Yeah. Um, and this is the thing. T today, we fired a client. Uh, there's no nicer way to put it. You fired, we, you fired a we, client. We, we fired a, a client. Um, How did that work? Who, uh, oh, it's really easy. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, re it's re <laughs> only done it twice in 20 years and uh, hope not to reach the third. It's a, a, a client that turns up every couple of years and it's a smallish business and uh, it's quite local and uh, we thought it's not a project I do, it's one one of my colleagues would do. And we've chased the guy uh, and he, he's in his Four million, five million turnover. Mm -hmm. um, yep, send me the contract. You sign the contract. Send me the invoice. Yep, and it says on the invoice, please, uh, as we have agreed, contractually and personally. Contractually and personally. That's on my invoices. Mm -hmm. um, the payment is due no later than so and so. May I leave this with you, or would you prefer that we speak directly with your accounts team? That's on the invoice. And he said, email. Yes, I'll forward it. It's coming to a week before due. It's not uh, no movement from him, but he's emailing my colleague about the event. Then I email him and say, you know, please would you help me understand will it be paid on time as we've agreed contractually and personally? Nothing, nothing, nothing. I call accounts and they say, well, we've not received it yet, but he's in the office. And I'm thinking, no, my attention, my focus is being taken from the people that are actually deserving my attention. Uh, and uh, my colleagues that deserve my attention from chasing this guy, metaphorically. So I emailed him at 5.30 in the morning. Nothing. 
I texted him at 6.30 and got a message back saying, uh, Scott, I don't know where you are in the world, but it's 6.30 uh, in the UK. You just woke me up. Thank you, Andrew. Now you're awake. Would you please organise payment of the invoice? Gotcha. A bit cheeky. A bit cheeky. Very creative. But if you, I'd rather not go through debt recovery. And it's this thing of we teach people how to treat us. I wasn't aware that I taught him that what he was doing or not doing was acceptable, personally, contractually, or professionally. So they've uh, said that it's in the payment room yeah. for today. And I said, your payment room is today, so when will it be paid? Uh, by Thursday of next week, well, the event's not going ahead. The event will go ahead when it's paid. Uh, we'd rather not uh, uh, collaborate with your organisation or with you, Andrew, as the boundaries were agreed, the standards we agreed, and the value you want delivering, we'd rather not do it. Yeah, poor, poor level of emotional uh, intelligence. I was thinking the same thing, impulse. <laughs> yeah, well, the, yeah, the thing is... Uh, he may have had very high impulse control, which means he never gets around to doing what he should be doing. <laughs> That's just as dangerous, but no response is a response. No response is a response. Um, but this thing about if you're in business, uh, if you're a startup, you might want to go to a bank and rather than beg for an old draft, say, look, these are my plans and this is how it's different. And I, want, I don't want you to believe in me. I want you to believe that your bank will get its money back. Yeah. Trust <laughs> you, know? yeah, of uh, you might go to a, a potential investor who thinks you, you're brilliant at presenting, but your decision making is fundamentally flawed. So we've got to ensure that in business we're making prudent decisions to focus on the few things that really matter, rather than the many things that don't. Definitely, most definitely. Any any more questions, guys? Uh, <coughs> myself, no. Um, I was gonna message you and ask any more. No, questions? you've been. It's, yeah, it's really been informative, and I, it's definitely definitely given me a bit more spe- perspective to um to the book. Actually, it's been really good. It's been really good, Scott. Um, just You're before, welcome. Yeah. Just before we let you go, I was just gonna ask you three last questions. Um, Three last questions. What if I come up with fifteen last fifteen last answers? Then we're stuck, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, they're three. They're three quick fire questions. If you aren't, to be honest with you, uh, the first yeah. one being, what's your biggest fear? The second one being, well, ask, ask me one yeah. time because I'm I'm fifty forgetful. All right. So the first one being, what's your biggest fear? In business or life? Uh, both. Um, Emilia's coming up to three years young. Uh, I was forty-eight when she uh, came to join us. So when she's 20, I'll be 68. My biggest, I'll, I'll say fear, I'll say fear, is that I won't be around long enough to have as many memories as I would want my family yeah. and Amelia to have. Okay. Um, the second one being... Come on, finish on a high, guys. On a high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are you just getting your own back now? Because I've gone on a bit. Yeah, yeah. I know too. I was gonna. Well, the next. Oh, in, business, in business, I'll tell you the business one as well. Uh, my biggest fear uh, is that I end up appointing someone to be a trusted member of my team that doesn't meet the ethical standards as well as professional. Okay. Good point. Yeah, that makes sense. 
the next question being, what do you do for you that makes you happy? Um, in well, in business, I'll say the most important for the second because family is the most important. In business, I love what I do. I love contributing. I love having a laugh with clients, even on a serious situation. Yeah, we, we end up having a laugh because it's two human beings or a group of human beings connecting at a very authentic level rather than Scott's here to coach you or Scott's here to present to you the content <laughs> so you have to get your backside in gear. We end up having a laugh. And part of that is because I'm happy to be vulnerable. Yeah. I'm happy to share some of my failings as well as my some of my biggest learnings. Yeah. Uh, so I enjoy the connection and the laughs and, uh, yeah. I once thought I had a standing ovation, but it just turns out the applause were getting the coffee had arrived early, so people were getting up to leave, so a bit awkward. Uh, not going back there again. Uh, in in uh, in my family life, my social life, I I love walking. There's no better place for me than in the woods. Autumn's a beautiful time to get soaking wet and enjoy the different colours, different sensations, uh, and picking Emilio up from nursery. Just having that moment with Daddy, that joy on her face, and yeah. big cousin. That sounds sounds lovely. The yeah. La- the, the last last question: What fr- what three words of wisdom would you give to your younger self and the peers around you? My younger self and peers around me. Yep. Is it three words? It could be three words or three uh, quotes or yeah. statements or uh, affirmations. I'll, I'll give you the three words, and they're very clear for me. It might be a little bit of context, but speak your truth. Okay, that's good. Like speak your truth. Mm-hmm. That re- that definitely resonates with with P with Poker. He's he's out of the three of us. He will say what's on his mind, no problem. <laughs> oh well, the context I want to sit. <laughs> the, the context around that is speak your truth. Yeah. Because for me, having a conversation with someone changed my life. It changed the wow. direction of my life. It changed my mental health. It changed my emotional well-being. And uh, if I hadn't have had that conversation, I would have regretted it for probably the rest of my days. And I hope I've got many days left. Of course. But the context I'd like to share with that is that help your audience want to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speak your truth, but help your audience, whoever he, she, or they are, want to listen there's no point speaking the truth as a dipstick there's no point speaking the truth aggressively there's no point speaking the truth to find a victim uh it's about may i share a thought with you there's something on my mind but it's my mind not yours okay but i really appreciate i really appreciate you listening if you could just give me a few minutes that is so many good ideas don't get shared so many families fall out so many disagreements don't get resolved because there's an absence of understanding and there's an absence of truth and people swallow their truth yeah uh and it's 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 damaging it's damaging all right so there's the motivational bit done thank you that was one statement speak the truth did i miss something where's the where's the other two Scott, you, I feel like you've conned us. <laughs> oh, sorry, mate. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's Yorkshire versus South, so that's more South divided. Uh, but how, how no, I conned I, you? Come on. No, no. Speak the truth. Speak the truth. That, yeah, speak the truth. That's the... That's the yeah, that is the, yeah, that is it. That is speak your truth. I think that's uh, yeah. 
that ends it on a great note, to be honest with you, Scott. Hey, gentlemen, thanks for the invitation to have a chat. Thank you. Thank you. Best um, wishes to you and dear listeners as well. Thank you. It's been really insightful, Scott. Thanks. Thanks very much. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're not not mentioned enjoyable. I've been saying enjoyable all along. (laughs) Never mind. Insightful is good. And, uh, hey, gentlemen, have a fantastic weekend. You take care. Wish you all the best, Scott, okay? You and your family. Just just before. Thank you very much. Lots of love. All right. Cheers. Bye. Speak to you soon.